You are listening to Lore of the Games, and I'm your host, Kevin, joined always by... Tyler. And today, we will be talking about one of the most controversial, fun, entertaining games of the past decade, and is now back on PC, Halo Reach. Tyler... I'm pretty I'm pretty jazzed about this episode. Halo holds a special, you know, place in my heart. And um doing the research for this and uh, obviously you do all the re- the majority of the research for this show. Um there is a lot to cover and it can get kind of convoluted. But how are you feeling? Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm excited. It's pretty nostalgic. It's like the oldest game we've covered. Uh it was released 2010 and yeah, it's almost a decade ago. That's crazy. And it was Bungie's last Halo game, which is crazy that, you know, they're who I would think of automatically with this series, but they haven't been a part of it for so long. And I haven't really been excited about Halo, you know, since Bungie stopped making them. But uh, this this was fun to kind of dig back into the world and learn a little bit more about it. And Reach, I think, is one of my favorite of the Halo series. Yeah, they introduced a lot of new things, especially that's carried on to the multiplayer in terms of like the power-ups and stuff like that and the combat and the uh, obviously this is the lore of the games. The story is really fascinating. Um, a lot of Halo fans were so excited because it's based off the Halo, the Fall of Reach and the first Assault uh, book series. Um, and there's a lot of you know controversy between the people who are the avid book readers and the game and the things that were changed you know things are always changed from the movies and you know people are going to get mad about it but i don't know i feel as though this is the last time i truly had a great halo campaign experience i played halo 4 i played halo 5 halo 4 was pretty good not great and then halo 5 was just in my opinion kind of a dumpster fire it was just like all over the place with that game so this is kind of like the last hurrah for bungie and i kind of think for halo as well yeah uh i played four i i watched a let's play of five because i wanted to get a sense of the story uh because halo infinite just got announced and it piqued my interest you know uh i I wanted to check it out but yeah the fifth game was super weird uh, yeah, just the story, it just, like, didn't really make sense. You had, like, Master Chief being hunted. It was a really just, I don't know. I feel like they could have just done a lot of different, I don't know. I was just, like, when Master, they just had characters who didn't really get developed at all, and you're just like, oh, now Master Chief has these two buddies? Who the hell are they? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, if you read, like, the backstory or the logs or whatever, it's like, no, just tell me what's going on. So, I don't know. I just thought Halo 5 was just, like, all over the place. The one cool thing about Halo 5 is we see the return of Edward Buck, who we first meet in Halo 3 ODST. He's an orbital, you know, he's an ODST trooper, uh, and he's played by Nathan Fillion, who I'm a big fan of. And in Halo 5, he gets recruited for the Spartan 4 program, and, yeah, he's in Lock Squad, I believe, in that game, and, uh, again, voiced by Nathan Fillion. So that was, that's kind of why I finished watching that let's play because <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I liked him yeah i mean if there's any reason it's just probably him everything else i can kind of do without but i like you were saying halo infinite kind of curious about there's still not a lot of details you haven't seen any gameplay but god if one thing uh 343 can do they make some pretty amazing trailers i will admit like the hype for halo 5 and the hype for halo 4 the trailers were unbelievable so at least they got that going for them yeah Halo's always been pretty great with their cinematics the halo reach cinematics really awesome too kind of serves as a prequel to the story a little bit 
Yeah, it's like um, essentially just like a little like uh, appetizer before you get into Halo Combat Evolved, which it kind of just like picks up right afterwards. And we were just a little inside the podcast. We were kind of comparing it, and you actually wrote it on your notepad, which is so funny that this is essentially the Rogue One of the uh, Halo universe. Yeah, the suicide mission. That no one comes back alive. Spoiler. Um, But yeah, uh, I'm really excited to kick off this game. Uh, But yeah, Ty, do you want to bring us in and tell us a little bit about Halo Reach when it first debuted? Yeah, so Halo Reach is a, it was released originally in 2010. Uh, Just last week, it was brought to the Master Chief Collection. Um, It's the last Halo game developed by Bungie Studios before, before being passed on to 343 Industries, which is like a Microsoft subsidiary. The game grossed 200 million on its launch day, so it did. It set a record for the franchise at that point. The critical reception overall was positive. You know, the game looked great, played great, uh, except for a couple things with the mechanics that uh, some some fans weren't happy with. But mostly the plot and the characters, people weren't so hot about. And mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of have that grape too with revisiting it, and there's like. Not a lot of development, you know. There's some cool Easter eggs. I mean, there's real no development with Master Chief either, but he has a lot of cool one-liners, and we see him, him do a lot of heroic stuff. Whereas Noble Team, it's kind of just a game where they're losing the fight the entire time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not to be like too cliche. I mean, it's a bunch of Spartans, but it's essentially the Battle of Thermopylae. Like they're up against instrumental odds that they can't uh you know um and essentially also there's like miscommunication they don't know that the covenant is essentially there not only that they do know that there is a presence but not to the force that they are trying to get all this um ancient materials and whatnot so for me like i really uh enjoyed this just because um there isn't really too much character development besides of like noble one and two all the other characters throughout the whole game i kind of just thought i was just like on a long like uh universal or disney ride like i'm just here for the show everything else is kind of like background noise i don't care about the story i'm just here to have a good time yeah pretty much one interesting thing they do with the story is make our character basically a blank slate and we even get to choose if noble six is male or female we get a ton of customization options in this game uh getting to choose between different pieces of armor which made the multiplayer super grindy but it was still cool to kind of have your own identity and it's kind of your persona playing the game uh and you know but most of the characters are pretty pretty vanilla pretty Mm -hmm. bland pretty yeah, just one-dimensional, essentially. Um, there's not, And, like, when characters do end up dying, like, you're just sad because they die, but you don't know why. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, like, sad, but, like, I feel as though when they were writing this, like, oh, people are going to be so upset. Like, I feel like the writers are really hyping it up, and then at the end, you're like, I feel like I didn't really, you know, get to know that guy. Or, like, there wasn't, like, really, like, there were only, like, single-layered characters. Yeah, really only two deaths stand out for me in this game and spoiler alert everybody dies you know a noble team mm-hmm. except uh except except june he's the only survivor you know the ending which of course we're going to talk about that that was pretty awesome and then george's death his sacrifice when he kind of just drops you off the side of the covenant ship and you're just free falling backwards that's a standout standout moment 
yeah, I will say there were some super cinematic and dramatic parts of the game. None that really like stuck with me too much, but I will say like I remember playing Halo Reach and revisiting it. It did give me some super sweet nostalgia. The soundtrack, uh, the enemy variety, they definitely changed up the game mechanics which was refreshing and like maybe just because it was 2010 and i probably was still playing the heck out of halo 3 at that point it didn't matter um it just felt good to have a little change of pace yeah i, I like the addition of the armor abilities it adds some interesting mechanics into the single player uh most of the armor abilities are just the equipment we saw in halo 3 just you know reskinned essentially and in infinite use but it's the first Halo game where we get a sprint mechanic, which is, you know, crazy that they add that. And then on top of that, they add like jetpacks and, um, well, they had the cloaking in Halo 2. And it was a pickup in other games. But to be able to use those in multiplayer consistently definitely added for some interesting moments. I remember mm -hmm. playing a ton of this back in the day. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people were really itching to get this on PC, especially for all the uh, for the multiplayer. I remember the Halo Reach multiplayer was uh, one of the high points of the game, where people were like, "Okay, like this is really really cool." I saw that uh, what's it called, video game Dunky just released a video, and I remember the armor lock where like a ghost will be coming at you, put that on, that thing goes flying and like explodes and like being like being like, "Oh, gotcha! You thought you thought you're gonna run me over, but not today, not today, Sonny." Um, but yeah, I actually have a question for you, Ty. Did you like the Corporation. I know the new Halos 4 and 5 have like you can just click down on the L3 to sprint. Do you like that for like a Spartan character? I feel as though I would prefer like how they did in the new Doom game where you're just constantly just really fast. I feel that I feel like Halo's key key feel and gameplay is that you're kind of slow. You got a high jump and you have to be super accurate with your with your shots but this game kind of throws all of that out the window because you can sprint you can fly around you have weapon bloom which makes the recoil just super random uh which like uh competitive players hated that um yeah you get a lot of movement and the the recoil system was super weird and you know what the one thing i really don't like about this game is that they took out the battle rifle the three burst Ooh, that was really controversial at the time. People were pissed. <laughs> it was such a staple in the Halo series, and they were not happy. Yeah, I do like the DMR. It's really good, but, like, we can have both. <laughs> why can't Why can't we double dip? Why can't we have both, Bungie? What, 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 what was, like, was there just a mass protest at Bungie? Like, they said, like, no battle rifle. It's out. It's like, why? Because um they i don't know like they must have said they must have someone with a battle rifle must have tweeted something and must have got canceled i don't know <laughs> but that doesn't that doesn't matter because it, it's a staple on halo and if i'm in a halo game i expect it to be there yeah yeah so um oh yeah it also brought back the health bar from it that we only saw in combat evolved at that point and yeah, it, that was a... Oh, sorry, go on. No, yeah. Um, and it brought back some maps from Combat Evolved into the multiplayer because Forge, the Forge mode was a big deal in this game. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I feel as though people missed the big, giant maps of, like, Halo Combat Evolved. And not that Halo 3 didn't have that, um, but people loved the creativity and the forge mode. Essentially, Minecraft your way and create these crazy scenarios with all these different vehicles and whatnot. That's what, like, always set Halo so far apart from, like, the Call of Duties, like, the vehicles and the maps. And, like, you know, not just, like, the, what's it called, the three lanes of Call of Duty. You know what I mean? That there was all these different options. You're also this essentially like super powered uh marine so it's not like call of duty boots on the ground which eventually would change but you know i feel as though people really wanted that variety and reach gave it to them i feel like reach came out with a lot of content at the time and i feel like that was one of the good uh critiques or good parts of the reviews when i was looking back at them before this yeah it's a pretty stacked game you know the campaign multiplayer and the the forge and theater one of the other standout things about the Halo series is the community games like Infection, Oddball, King of the Hill, you know, and there's just so much creativity within the community to develop their own games within the game. That's always been like awesome. Like Infection, I remember playing that in Halo 2, just like, you know, we made up the rules and then they add that in as a staple as an actual game mode. It's just really cool to see the developers taking that kind of feedback. You know, they loved that series. Bungie did. Mm -hmm. Not saying 343 doesn't, but... No, and I just uh, talk more about Bungie, a company who I love and can't get enough of. There's a whole documentary I watched about Halo 2, and, like, they had the shortest development time. They had all these grand ideas, but they wanted to get... They needed to get the product out because it was Microsoft's big hot ticket at the time, and how they just, like, did everything they can. They're a very hardworking community of uh, developers, and, like, you know, obviously with Destiny, they had their struggles with Activision as the publisher doing all the microtransactions, stuff like that. And they really listened to the community with all their different raids and Destiny 1 and 2 and tried to, you know, fix a lot of things. I know there's still a lot of controversy with those games, but I feel like they do their best and try and, like, live up and help the community that's so supportive of them. So I, I've always been such a high admirer of Bungie going back to Combat Evolved. Well, I didn't realize Halo 2 had a short development time because that's probably... I would consider maybe the best of the actual series. At least it's the most memorable for me, you know, the most nostalgic for. I mean, I got an Xbox 360, and all I played for a few months was Halo 2 multiplayer. And that's basically why I wanted the 360 was because it had easier um, online capabilities than, you know, a, uh, an original Xbox. And I didn't want to go online with an older system. Can I be completely honest real quick on the show? The first time yeah. I played uh, online was until the 360. I couldn't even figure out how to do it with the original Xbox. God knew the PlayStation 2 online. So the first time I actually played online was with the 360. So that's when I also played like Halo 2 for real, like for the first time online. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't realize online multiplayer was a thing at that point. I mean, we were pretty young at this point anyway. Um, so it was so new, and this and Halo, of course, was there, and this is why it kind of took up that whole entirety of our childhoods was playing Halo multiplayer. Yeah, like pretty much like, and then when the Master Chief Collection came out when I was in college, I was like, oh, here we go, we're back in it, baby, back to the fight. Oh my god, I was just geeking out. Um, and then like the Halo Two remastered. Oh my god, that was so. I mean, I, I think that was done by three four three, right? The remastering of all that with all the cinematics yeah. but i mean it just like which also 343 amazing job maybe you should just like remaster games like dark souls make that actually look nice instead of just turning up the exposure anyway um i just really just love i'm a, bit, a big fan of both these companies obviously more bungie um but 
yeah, my first time playing was on an Xbox 360 because it was just it, the, the Xbox 360 days were just like the golden years of playing online. Yeah, Gears of War, um, that was a big one for me too. Call of Duty, obviously, Modern Warfare, which I just got the new one of, and I'm loving it so far. I just got past the London level, but maybe that's a little too much crosstalk. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Enough, <laughs> enough boots on the ground. I want to be flying in some jetpacks, baby. Um, is there anything else you want to cover before we start getting into the lore? I think it's time for some lure, baby. All right. Um, you want me to kick this off, baby? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. We, yeah. we, can, we can stop with that. All right. So we can start with some backstory on the events that led up to Reach. So Halo's lore is pretty encompassing of over 100,000 years. So we're just going to save that for when Halo Infinite releases eventually. Uh, is there a release date for that, Ty? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. Well, when eventually that comes out, um, this episode is going to focus mostly on the human and covenant wars, the introduction of the Spartans leading up to the fall of reach. So in this time, you have the unified earth government, the unified earth government traced its origins back to the interplanetary war of the mid to late 22nd century in the soul system with numerous earth governments fighting independent battles against freedoms, which are fascists, and the Kozovich, which are communist forces. The UN became involved eventually using the war to absorb most, if not all, of the Earth government into itself. So essentially, one big government, forming a global government to combat the terrorists and stabilize the planet of its other world colonies. So basically, the governing body of the Earth's people and outer colonies um, would eventually be superseded by the UNSC due to the overwhelming covenant forces and the human covenant war. So everyone just coming together being like, hey, you know, we got to put our stuff aside because we got these alien guys who are really going to like, there's going to be none of us left, essentially. Yeah, you know, humanity's bickering between itself, but, you know, now they have this, you know, cause to kind of all come together for because it's basically a fight for their lives and existence like the covenant or that threatening yeah i mean it's essentially almost like um i just started watching the new uh watchman series so i'm not going to give spoilers for the new hbo series but essentially that's what uh the master plan was in that was to unite the people during the cold war against the greater evil which was dr manhattan so this is the covenant is essentially dr manhattan if dr you know if the covenant were actually good guys i don't know that was probably a bad comparison but anyway everyone's coming together <laughs> to pretty much say that like you know there is a the enemy of my enemy is my friend because these guys are coming to just wreck house yeah pretty much and you know the insurrection wasn't going to last much longer anyway with the introduction of the spartan spartans program you know mm-hmm. so luckily luckily uh you know, the military was pretty motivated in killing communists and fascists that they needed, you know, to develop super soldiers to take care of them. Mm-hmm. It ended up working out in humanity's advantage. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, these guys who came to kill fascists are really good at killing aliens, too. So we're just going to we're just going to keep them around. Um, but we can talk a little bit about the United States, uh, United Nations Space Command. Uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the UNSC was commissioned in 2163 as a military force primarily composed of naval and marine forces that would partake in military, exploratory, and scientific pursuits. In July 2164, the UNSC partook in its first battle, 
From this point, the UNSC was used by the UN in conflicts, including the Interplanetary War, until contact with the government turned it into an emergency military government. That's when everything kind of hit the fan. <laughs> Once the covenant got involved, everything just changed. Yeah, and um, the UNSC is basically, I guess it's a militia, or no, uh, what is it, Marshall's Law? I mean, it's kind of like they're enacting that just on a global you know, interplanetary scale, you know, the government is pretty much in control. They're in charge of everything right now because this is intense wartime. Mm -hmm. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. You know, um, sometimes you just have to get your, you know, legal rights taken away for the greater good. That sounds awful. And I'm sure the communists they were killing probably don't agree. But what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, this had to be done because the covenant were essentially up to no good. Yeah, and we're going to expand on the Covenant in a little bit, but we're going to back it up and talk about the insurrection, which is kind of like this catalyst event that sets off all these different things. Um, the insurrection is, you know, the proper name given to this undeclared civil war fought between the UNSC and this loosely organized group of, like, rebel terrorist cells, and they were collectively known as the insurrectionists. Um, this I think originated in some of the outer colonies. Um, and this is like almost 50 years before earth would make first contact with, uh, the covenant. So, you know, this is a war spanning a long time and it's kind of unfortunate that the, that the, that humanity was fighting amongst themselves and kind of in a weakened state, but you know, the UNSC, was had a backup plan for them essentially so thank god for dr halsey and her spartans but so to fight fight all these insurrectionists we have dr halsey who is this prodigy genius um like she was writing her second doctoral thesis at the age of 15 and you know by 25 she is developing essentially super soldiers um with the Spartan twos, but before them, there was a failed super soldier project. This was uh, called Orion project and it was named after the Milky way constellation. And they were genetically enhancing soldiers, you know, with like some pre-existing experience in combat. So Sergeant Johnson, he was a Spartan one. He was like a part of this project. So they got muscular enhancement injections. They had uh, lung enhancements, the respiratory pulmonary respiratory enhancements, uh, retina inversion injections, and cochlea enhancement tuning, so basically just improving all their senses. Um, but there were physical and mental side effects, especially in the older test subjects. So, you know, they had health complications later in life, and some of them weren't sur surviving these injections in the first place. Uh, so Sergeant Johnson is kind of one of the lucky ones who was fighting well until his old age, and he was a badass. And he was kind of like a precursor to what, you know, Master Chief would end up being the pinnacle of. Yeah, no, exactly. Like he, you know, Master Chief is essentially the perfected uh, version of this. And there's actually like um, I didn't know. I guess it was definitely referenced that Master Chief is essentially during the, all the events of Reach kind of in the background doing his own mission and stuff like that. And that's where he first gets all his uh, essentially his upgrades where he can essentially have the uh, 
what's it called? Use the AI implant put into the back of his head and he gets that surgery done. Um, so he can have like Cortana hooked up with him. So I was very fascinated of exploring all that, that essentially uh, 117 was behind the scenes the entire time. Yeah, I love Master Chief. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I heard he's great at parties. Um, <laughs> but moving on, if we want to go to 2517, uh, Ty, do you want me to hop over there? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about Dr. Halsey. Yeah, so Dr. Halsey, at the age of 25, my age, wow, I'm sorry, Mom, I'm underachieving, she helmed <laughs> the Spartan 2 program. So the Spartan 2 would create a new generation of super soldiers based upon the earlier work of the Orion Project using abducted children, establishing a set of rigorous genetic criteria to screen potential candidates. She identified 150 children for the program on ONI would only give her enough funding to train 75. Thus, Halsey made arrangements to meet each of the candidates in order to determine who her 75 candidates would be. At her request, Junior Lieutenant Jacob Keyes accompanied her during the interview of John 117. Upon choosing her candidates, she then had the children abducted from their homes and brought to the planet Reach for training. The recruited children were replaced with Flash clones, which ultimately died within a few years from various neurological and physiological diseases due to the complications arising from the unperfected Flash cloning process. So, Dr. Halsey, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of mean there, taking these kids. Yeah, this is super dark. Yeah, this is the dark part of Halo. They don't want you. They don't want you. You know, digging too deep about. But Dr. Halsey is kind of a monster. Can we agree? <laughs> Yeah, no, this is like, this is messed up. Uh, they had the clones basically engineered to die so the parents would get some closure and not ask any questions. And, yeah, they just stole all these children's lives and bred them for warfare. So it's very similar to, you know, ancient Spartan culture where from a very young age they were put through these tests and just trained for war, basically a war society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really really messed up it kind of reminds me of akira a little bit with the little children they're experimenting on and essentially trying to turn them into these super weapons and my god uh you know it doesn't get all you know lovecrafting at the end like in akira but god these are some really messed up testing and you know it doesn't really start to get addressed till like halo 4 and 5 when you start to realize start to learn more about the master chiefs like past and whatnot but definitely gets uh flushed out here and reach a little bit yeah, the Halo Reach Collector's Edition, which I got uh, back in the day, it came with a book. It was Dr. Halsey's like personal journal. So she said sh- she shed some light on her thoughts, um, why she wants, like her motivations behind developing it. Uh, you know the kind of testing they're doing, and she goes and she she kind of admires and appreciates the Spartan culture. So she make that's basically why she named these guys spartans you know Mm -hmm. yeah i was actually looking during doing my research of it they have like drawings in there of like cortana using like uh like charcoal pens and like really cool stuff in there so i'm actually kind of jealous do you still have it i wish it might be at my parents house buried somewhere in the attic I don't know. I feel it like, was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like that can go for. Not that you would sell it, but I feel like that would go for a pretty penny now, especially with all the hype that Halo Reach has gotten back now. So that's actually like really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should. I should have never opened it. You know. I should have just kept it for this day. But you know, 
hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. I know. I'm thinking about all the old stuff I have now that I have student loans. I'm like, man, I could have really need that right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> all these valuable things I didn't care about. I know. I'm looking at my record collection now. I'm like, I feel like I can get something for this Beatles album. I don't know. Um, all right, but moving back to Reach, uh, the Spartans that we actually play with are Spartan 3s, which uh, Dr. Halsey did not lead this project. Um, phased out the Spartan 2 program. These guys were developed to specifically battle the Covenant. So the guys before were for the fascists, the communists. These guys specifically to take down the Covenant. Less demanding physical enhancements and augmentations, they improved upon the enhancements, making them safer. Specifically used people who were orphaned by the Covenant, uh, maybe to give them more motivation and, you know, give them an edge over the Covenant to actually have some motivation. Emotional manipulation, essentially, so they weren't just stealing orphans, essentially. They were also outfitted with less effective armor, as the Mark V Mjolnir power armor could cost as much as a Starship uh, Starship Cruiser. This was quantity over quality. Spartan 3s may not be as deadly as the 2s, but they had the numbers who would often work together in fire teams. So I guess it's just more essentially, instead of getting like a bear that would be like Master Chief, you're getting like a pack of wolves to execute and counter tactically in certain situations. So would that be a good way of comparing them? Yeah, and this was probably way more cost effective. And because during the Spartan 2 project, most of the Spartans like died or, you know, the subjects died. Out of the 75 that were enlisted in the Spartan 2 program, only 33 ended up making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like people were just getting crippled or dying through these processes. So they basically improve on the formula, and the Spartan 3 uh, enhancements are way less invasive. Like, it's mostly done just through drug, cro- uh, drug cocktails. So the Spartan 2 would receive occipital capillary reversal. So it would reverse the the blood flow in their eyes to basically allow for enhanced perception. Um, Or they would get a car, they would also get a carbide ceramic ossification. So it's like improvement on their bone structures, making them super durable. Uh, Catalytic thyroid implant, which is basically just uh, like body hacking growth hormones to be produced so they get more muscle mass and bone density and they would get super conducting filari- f- oh super conducting fibrification of neural dendrites which I don't, I don't i couldn't even tell you what that would mean nope again psychology major right over my head but tyler um would a good comparison be like the spartan 2s kind of have like an x-men wolverine kind of like surgery and enhancement where the spartan 3s maybe have more of like a captain america like superhero serum or super serum yeah you know that's actually pretty spot on i'd say yeah that like as you were describing it i was trying to think of like my nerdum i was nerding here for a second thinking of oh like what kind of like comparison to do with that and that's first thing that came to mind was like the x uh you know the animantium skeleton for like master chief and then you get these super soldiers like noble one and two for the spartan threes so yeah that's how i'm gonna go from moving on from now on that's how i'm gonna think about them (laughs) yeah and some some fans seem to think that the spartan threes are just like their, their enhancements were as effective but they're giving they're not given uh the same kind of power armor 
the same, uh, you know, standard of Mjolnir that Master Chief would wear because it is so expensive. And because they have these numbers, they just outfitted them a little cheaper. And that's why we might see them die in different situations where we see Master Chief just tanking everything. And, you know, the whole Master Chief's whole thing is he's like the lucky Spartan. Like, that's his defining quality, I guess, <laughs> that he's just lucky. He, you know, sometimes you just need some luck. And, you know, Master Chief sure as hell has the most luck out of any of the Spartans, especially on Reach. Um, but anyway, should we introduce the Covenant? Yeah, first contact, baby. All right, 2526, a year that'll be lived out in infamy. Humanity in the Covenant first came into direct contact on February 3rd, 2525, when a Kigyar frigate, the Minor Transgression discovered a human ship that had dropped out of slip space due to a problem with the Shaw Fukuwa Translite engine. The Kig Yar raided that ship and another one. The Harvest Shipped Operations AI, SIF, found out about the raid as a result of the distress beacon from the ships. Although she and uh, she and another cunner Oni spoke on Harvest through the insurrectionists, not aliens were behind the raids. The spook set a trap for the King Yar, which resulted in minor scrimmage between Staff Sergeants Nolan Byron and Avery Johnson and the King Yar privateers. When the Covenant returned with another ship and a contingent of Gerald Haney, the UNSC proposed a meeting via pictogram to trade. The Covenant met the UNSC on Harvest, but were only interested in claiming the relics that the Luminary had detected on Harvest. Completely oblivious that the humans were the relics in question. Um, a luminary was a covenant technology modeled and sculpted after a forerunner device recovered from the covenant-controlled forerunner Dreadnought. Its purpose was to scan for and identify forerunner relics, and was acquired on all covenant vessels. So yeah, and you know, forerunner relics is basically all the covenant cares about. That's what their whole religion is based on: the for like worshiping the forerunners, and. Harvest housed a forerunner, or I think at this point, because they were trying to take humans' custody, they thought we were uh, we were uh, descendants of forerunners. But this this luminary technology was basically their uh, their way to f- to find and search for um, forerunner artifacts. So this is probably what also brought brings them to Reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, if you wanted to boil down the plot to Reach, is Covenant. Up to no good, looking for forerunner technology. Here we go, baby. <laughs> That's, you know, what the Covenant are known for. It's what they do and really um, why they have a beef with humans. But the prophets, actually, who are the head of the Covenant, correct? Yeah, these are the guys that are floating around in the chairs, you know, when we see him in the, uh, the main trilogy. Mm-hmm. The weird-looking dudes with long necks. Yeah, the E.T.-looking weirdos. They, um, I love the one that... They're called... Uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It's like Truth. What are all their names? Oh, yeah. I I forget. We'll probably talk about this when we talk about, like, Master Chief and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I forget. I I remember they had some weird names. The species is called the the San Shum, I think is how you would pronounce it. Okay, yeah. they. I love the Covenant and how they speak in this, like, crazy religious. uh, They name all their ships after, like, religious names and stuff like that. Like, But um, the prophets had declared humanity to be an affront to their gods. 
later we would find out that's just propaganda and would declare humans had inhabited and defiled forerunner artifacts and worlds, which was not true, and called for a crusade against the human species. The Covenant's final objective was nothing less than the total genocide of the human race. And that's basically their goal um, for most of the human covenant war until, uh, you know, the, basically the very end of it where we're playing as Master Chief. Um, the Covenant Empire is pretty interesting. I mean, it m makes sense that they're such an overwhelming force because they're made up of several different species. You know, it adds some nice weapon or it adds some nice enemy variety in the game. But I do kind of like that idea that it's basically just this religion on steroids that's spanning worlds galaxies different kind of species of beings and all, all, all sorts of different stuff um so all these every piece of the covenant is has like their own culture and background you know yeah um, i was actually just a little sidebar i was doing a deep dive on the grunts <laughs> the other day god they've had it oh, rough yeah they've gotten it so rough they essentially just got just bullied by all the other aliens and essentially were slaves and like just like massacred and they're like all right i guess we'll just join you and like it's just been you know i always kind of feel bad killing the grunts they're also probably the most hilarious things you kill in halo <laughs> yeah yeah they're great <laughs> i have like a little like soft spot for them they're like kind of like the jawas for me like i never feel good <laughs> killing jawas Udini, you know never Udini. um and also i love in i think halo 3 was the one that introduced like the suicide bomber grunts I always like they have like, yeah. like the funny little dance with their arms up when they run at you. And I was just like, I always, I know like they're trying to blow me up, but I always thought they were just like really hilarious. It's kind of cute. Like, Oh, look at him. He's trying to like blow me up. I don't know. I, 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 Double fist and plasma grenades. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's, uh, you know, really getting it at the party. He's, um, I don't know. <laughs> I have a soft spot for the grunts. What can I say? Yeah, I think they're called the, uh, the Ungyom. Ungyom. They got a silly name. Um, but, you know, the Covenant, it works like in a caste system, so there's a hierarchy. The prophets are going to be, like, the leaders, and they're at the top. That's why they're just sitting down all the time. And then, um, you know, they have their, their battle leaders, the elites, you know, and they're they're called the Sangheli. That's what their species is. Um, the brutes, uh, I'm forgetting what their species are. And then you also have the hunters, but there's not a ton of info on the hunters, Um but yeah, I do like the group, uh, the grunts as well. But they're they're probably at the lowest, lowest at the low of this caste system. Yeah, it's um really brutal for them. And I just again, like you were saying, I love the variety. It all, and I think that's what Halo's always trying to throw at you is just different combat scenarios where you have like two, you have the grunts storming you with the elites in the back. You also have them with different abilities, such as like and different firearms. You know, like the elites have their blasters and uh with cloaking mechanisms and then you have like the hunters who are just these big brutes who can really wreck you in a couple hits like i don't, I always love that when you get into some it's never going to be really um the same type of fight every time and it also gives great depth to like their culture and their religion yeah and this you know because of these different viewpoints like in different cultures like we have like arbiter who leads like a separate separatist group against the covenant eventually it's because you know it's just like this terrible thing basically mm. yeah. yeah like the prophets yeah. were lying to them about the propaganda with the forerunners and essentially uh, led a coup which obviously we're speaking more about reach but it's all just in context within the whole halo universe so it just shows that like you know the humans think that oh all the covenant is evil no some of the covenant kind of think some of the covenant is evil 
So there's like layers oh, to yeah. it, which I think is like really, really cool. So it's like nice that like, oh, it's not just like everyone's evil at the covenant. They realize there's, you know, problems within their own society and religion and whatnot. So I love that they're giving death to these alien creatures where in other games, it would just be like your normal like, oh, they're the bad guy, evil aliens invading. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of mirroring the story of humanity. Like we had the insurrection, civil war, the covenant show up. We have to band together to fight them, you know, the enemy of my enemy. And then we're in this war with the Covenant, and then, oh, shit, the Flood's here. And this is, like, the the end game. You know, basically, the Flood are going to kill the universe. And they kind of already did before, um, you know. And, you know, that's the whole point of the, the, main, the main series, I guess, is that, you know, we have to actually stop uh, the fucking Flood. Um the, the but great, why don't we t- oh sorry yeah Go i ahead. say we just gotta stop the greatest evil it's like all right guys we've put our things aside for humans us covenant have put our things aside we got just the main evil which is the flood um uh, but yeah we can talk about the human covenant wars i think that's what we're about to get to yeah what's um the basically the first inciting incident happens on harvest um and harvest is the first human um, planet to fall essentially and they, there's this cool thing they do um, the covenant they do with uh, with planets that they've taken over it's called glassing so it's like this crazy plasma bombardment with like you know the power of hundreds and thousands of nukes going off and it's so intense that it like glasses the surface of the planet mm-hmm. just total like scorched earth but instead of just glass earth everything just turns to glass. Like, I think that's what happens when you like nuke a desert. Like it just tons of glass is just everywhere after that. And, um, it's such a brutal and just total, like I was saying before, skirt scorched earth way of just like taking over a planet. Like you, there's just no escape whatsoever. Yeah. And most of this story gets covered in the halo wars series. I believe that focuses on, uh, like the, the beginnings of the human covenant war, um, with some of the game taking place on harvest, um, I never played those games. I do like real-time strategy, but I never got into that one. Mm-hmm. I just could never play it on a controller. I could always only do it on a mouse and keyboard. Playing on a controller, mm-hmm. they, did, they did their best, I feel like, and I feel like that's always going to be this challenge with like rts's on console but because the mouse and keyboard is so much better and i'm sure the pc elites who are listening to this will say well every game's better on pc but i'm saying rts's are just (laughs) so much better with the mouse and keyboard so there you go i'm right there with you guys (laughs) yeah there's not enough keys to deal with everything you have Mm -hmm. yeah play league of legends on like xbox go you you, just try it (laughs) lose your mind yeah literally just get wrecked um but yeah i really think this is such a cool way of because we've done like the whole like oh they got a laser cannon and they just scorch it like glassing a planet is such a cool way of just destroying something and i just love just the name of it too and plasma bombardment that's i don't know it is the way that bungie has kind of made this whole um lore and kind of like universe of halo and made it their own that is so much different from anything any other media it's just kudos guys you've just crushed it yeah it's very militaristic um but you know it's very expansive too um, I, I don't like a lot of things that they've done with it. Like, I mean, with the newer games, I'm a little salty because, like, there's Spartans everywhere. And, I don't know, in the main series, and even with Reach, it felt like they were rare. And with Reach specifically, I always interpreted it as, oh, shit, you know, Master Chief, he's the last Spartan. And 
that's kind of what made this sacrifice like so important. But you know, he's not the last Spartan. They're just you know nobody's talking about him. The other ones. Yeah, it's kind of like George Lucas forgetting about like all the other stuff when he made like four, five, and six. Like, oh yeah, like clone troopers and stuff like that. Well, I just have to make more movies and video games about it, and like you know, make more like oh Rogue One. Yeah, how they get the Death Star plans? I guess we'll have to make a movie about it. Like, oh, how did you know Reach start? Oh well, or how did like Halo Combat Evolve get kicked off? Oh well, we'll make Halo Reach. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I mean it's been a part of the series since day one. The first novel. Uh, was Halo the Fall of Reach and I think it released like two weeks before Combat Evolved and it was basically serving as the prequel Um, but you know the game Halo Reach it tells a little different story Um, you know because Noble Team doesn't really get any mention in that book Um, but um, do you want to talk about Reach Uh, get into uh, basically the precursor event for the game which would be the Battle of Fumarole which is one of the uh, one of the game's first cinematic trailers. Um, this is where you see Cat lose her arm, one of your Spartan companions, and uh, we see the death of the Noble Six that our character replaces. And this was Spartan. Uh, I have his name here somewhere. Oh, it's Tom B two nine three, and uh, the 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 Noble Six we play as is Spartan B three one two. Yeah, and we're also a Spartan 3, just so you know we don't get mixed up here. We're just talking about Spartan 3s, guys. Master Chief is the only Spartan 2 that matters anymore. Um, and we're going on classified... Uh, he was on classified assassination missions, is that correct? Yeah, he's got a pretty cool backstory. So, yeah, he was on classified assassination mission- missions. Um, one of his Oni handlers referred to B-312, who you play as, as his own personal Grim Reaper, which is so badass. Um he received the classification Hyper Lethal. The only other Spartan to get that rating was Master Chief. So you're in good company. And also Hyper Lethal, super badass as well. Uh, he was involved in the Saber Damn. program, classified the USNC Starfighter program. Yeah, we get to fly one of those things. Later yeah, we in the finally game. get space combat, which is super badass in this game. They did it right. Yeah, I mean... It's more like stars. It's more like uh, Star Fox than anything, but hey, it's still hey, pretty don't, cool. Don't talk smack on Star Fox. Uh, you know, do a barrel roll. There's nothing wrong about Star Fox, and you know what? I loved every second of this kind of gimmicky part of the game. It was totally fine. Yeah, yeah, that was a good segment. Um, but it's cool uh, when we get introduced to the team. Uh, oh, you know what? The game actually starts with a really awesome shot. Um, you can, you know, you, you have a lot of customization options in here. So the game or the helmet that you would choose for, like, your multiplayer skin, that's going to show up in the campaign um, in that first shot where you see uh, Noble Six's helmet on the ground. And then when he finally gets introduced to the team, uh, Captain Carter, Noble One, he says uh, that he read Six's file and he's glad to have his skill set on the team, but he's he's done with the the lone wolf stuff. Which you know it's kind of just a fun. It's like oh yeah, before this you were playing as Master Chief alone, but now you're mm. on a team. Yeah, I really think as though Captain Carter and Noble Two, Noble One and Noble Two are the really ones who have any like emotional death because uh, they've just been through so much. They've seen they're the only ones left of the Noble Team essentially. And they've just seen so many of their friends have died. And I don't know. I just really like there. If there's anything you could pull people saying there wasn't enough like character death. I feel those two were flushed out enough for me personally. 
Yeah, I liked Carter. Um, Cat, I think, kind of goes out like a punk, but we'll talk about that. Kind of like get there. Uh, Carmine in um, Gears of War. Just you know, if you want a little, little, yeah, if you wanted a little <laughs> comparison. But anyway, moving on. Um, Noble Three June, he's pretty interesting. I like the mission where uh, it's just you and him on the ridge. Uh, it's like that sniper mission. Um, he he survives the the fall of Reach. He's the only one of Noble Team to survive, and he. He gets fleshed out more um, in the lore. He's involved in the Spartan 4 program. Uh, and then we have our uh, Noble 4, Emil. Uh, he's like the assault specialist that dude, the big guy. Um, another big guy, George. I love this dude. Um, we get an awesome mission with George, too, and he has that whole Noble mm-hmm. sacrifice. Has a sick mustache, then, very much yeah, about think, his mustache. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, George is the only Spartan 2 that's on the team. So he probably knows uh, Chief because uh, when we meet Halsey at that point in the game, um, like Halsey, obviously, she knows all of uh, her Spartans. She even is able to tell them uh, apart if they're under armor. Like, she's that, you know, connected to them. Um, so they get a cool little moment later on. And, yeah, that's that's basically Noble yeah, Team. Yeah, so this is the crew you're essentially going to be running with the entire game, which is uh, pretty badass. It's the first time you know you're not just the lone wolf, as we were talking earlier, where you're just Master Chief, the one-man army. So you finally have to, like, work as a team. And I will say the AI in this game, um, I was looking at the reviews. There people were – I never – I thought they were very reliable and were just it's, – it's nice having people around you, you know what I mean, for the first time. It feels as though you're actually getting help. Yeah. The one unfortunate thing about this game is that you only get the team for a little bit, and then it's just you and another Spartan for a couple missions, and then there's the le- like the later half of the game, you're basically a lone wolf again. Um, you're usually fighting side by side with like ODST troopers or soldiers, but like they don't really fulfill that whole team concept. And it would have been cool to have been a leader of Spartans and give some direct command but i guess for this story um they wanted you to be that blank slate so you're brought in as the mm-hmm. rookie yeah i kind of thought i was going to get more star wars commando which was more of like tactical like moving your you know uh like rainbow, yeah, like six, rainbow six, stuff. six siege stuff like that would have been sick but you know i still like at least having like one other person uh with me at times and like you know they have some pretty quippy dialogue and whatnot which is you know not marvel quippy but just you know just it was nice it was refreshing yeah halo they usually are pretty good with some some badass mm-hmm. one-liners it's like duke nukem <laughs> but way better <laughs> all right so we're gonna go through uh the campaign basically level by level and uh you know we'll just talk about some some highlight moments from it uh i honestly think this game opens up pretty weak um, kind of boring. The so, the yeah, first sorry. levels, yeah. No, yeah, it's definitely boring. It's uh, the winter contingency, and uh, we join up with Noble Team, and we're basically sent to go investigate some be- believed to be insurrectionists. Um, that the you know the USNC basically thinks that they took control of this relay outside of the city of Visegrad. Um, so we don't know the Covenant has actually reached reach yet or has landed on a reach so it's basically just you know flying around this huge map and they're trying to show off how big these levels could be but i think halo combat is the most fun when it's like the tight corridors hallways and some verticality and it's like close quarters combat 
this this is just like super boring fighting through like covenant and these big open spaces yeah, honestly I feel as though sometimes i feel like i'm not playing a campaign but it's a big horde mode with some of these maps you know what i'm saying yeah, and I feel as though like all right. I feel like the enemy placement isn't as uh, well tuned as in the other ones, or with the where they are and how they're attacking. Like I feel as though there was more strategy in the other games, where it feels as though there's just like an endless wave at some points. And obviously, the last mission is an endless wave, but that's on purpose. But like for the purposes of the campaign, yeah, the opening is kind of weak, but it's kind of cool because there is this kind of like mystery to the Noble Six team, where they're kind of like, oh, like there are covenant what <laughs> it's so weak the reveal like we make it to this outpost um and we see dead soldiers around and it's like oh it's like there's hints that it was like plasma you know grenades and stuff like this and then we're like oh it's the covenant but it's just a couple grunts running around and this is supposed to be like a huge moment like reaches where they train the Spartans, there's like human colonies and cities here, and it like reaches a huge tactical um, position for humanity. Some would even say it's more important than Earth. Um, but it's just like, oh yeah, grunts. Okay, it's just like I don't know. Anticlimactic. Like, it, it, it could have been paced a little different. Yeah, it could have been paced a little uh, better. Yeah, I just wasn't exactly like blown away. Where like. Halo Combat Evolved, it's like, wake up, we're being attacked on the Pillar of Autumn, you gotta get out there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they should have opened the game with, like, the second level. And, you know, let's just go over to Sword Base, because that's a little bit more interesting, honestly. I mean, the only uh, significant story thing that happens here is, like, oh, we get we fight the Covenant, and then we uh, get some data from this... Uh, from somebody at the relay, um, Professor or Professor Laszlo, and uh, we want to get this to Halsey now. Um, and this is what I think the uh, the Covenant was looking for as well. This information. Yeah, and pretty much Halsey just tells us that the Covenant forces at the relay were searching for important information. Very vague. The whole time you're kind of just getting like tossed around, um, which I guess would be more realistic because it's on a need to know basis. Like you're just soldiers. So you don't need to know why you're doing the things you're doing, but essentially like you're just told like, yep, they're just looking for important stuff. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I just moved to the next plot point. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't really expand on ONI yet, the ONI, the Office of Naval Intelligence, but they're basically like the the Halo World's FBI, CIA, Black Ops type organization. Um, you know, I think uh, this is where Noble Six came from. He was like working with ONI people on these Black Ops high priority assassination mm-hmm. missions. Um, so, the, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but like I was saying, we meet Halsey and, you know, we'll talk about this towards the end of the campaign when we get there. But there's some information. There's some data of what the Covenant have been after for reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there it's I guess it is important um, what that information is. But we'll talk about yeah. it when we get there. The next mission's pretty dope. Um, this is the one where we're, we're uh, it's like the sniper stealth mission mm-hmm. with June. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, I'm a big fan of any type of like stealth sniper mission. I mean, all gillied up is still like my favorite campaign mission of all time. So anything with snipers and stealth in so in. Yeah, this is a cool and it introduces the assassination, the animations, which was a new, a new mechanic for this game 
is instead of just throwing bows at people and them going down, there's like the whole animation that plays out where you're stabbing them, which I always like those kind of things, you know, just flushes it out a little bit. And it was awesome in multiplayer when you would get people with it too, because they're forced to watch themselves just get owned. Mm. Yeah. And I really love that mechanic. I know the new call of duty does that now too, with like the assassination stuff. It's just badass, man. I'm just, it was a nice inclusion and it was better than the, you know, kind of caveman, beat someone over the head with a club kind of way of killing people. So very like, you know, nice touch guys. Good one. Yeah. Um, so this mission, we're basically just reconning, just, uh, scouting out for covenant forces. And the significant thing here is at the end, we basically just discover this huge force, this huge covenant force. Um, and it's not here to just, you know, fight a couple battles like it's a full-on invasion force so that like the covenant is planning to take reach and you know that's where this kind of confirms that yep. and this pretty much you know it's time to get the troops together this is my favorite part it's like you know like the cat here comes the cavalry and we essentially get this full-on assault for the next mission but I, di- I did love the whole um it reminded me a lot of the mission i think it's halo 2 um when you start off with the sniper it's like the night mission um, and you're going through like the different cam, uh, care, uh, what's the word I'm looking for canvases and stuff like that. And it's like really, really cool. So I was, I was a big fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, this was a good mission. And then, um, after, after this, we, uh, we devised this plan to basically, uh, make a, like a fake nuke like they're gonna take a slip space drive their faster than light engine and turn it into a bomb and basically nuke this invasion force that we're seeing um and then this is that you know star fox segment where we're flying around in um, one of the saber starfighters with uh george and um yeah he has to stay behind to set off the bomb and then he drops us from orbit and there's that cool cutscene um when we're falling backwards and then noble sick just lands i guess he had some armor lock then and you know he was fine i I love how like these spartans can just fall from space and they're okay but if they get shot a couple times yeah it doesn't make any sense you're absolutely right like oh like you can literally fall from orbit but god forbid a grunt shoots you with a needler come on guys let's grow up I think it is confirmed that it's the armor lock, like even the ability in game, like you can just lock up and you're impervious. And I think it's confirmed that that's what happens in Halo 3 too. It's like, oh, his armor lock and just give him a minute. He's got to reset. It's, it's, it's great. This Mjolnir armor is basically, you know, like the most powerful weapon. Like it's, you know, a fucking mobile scorpion tank, essentially, with a mm-hmm. personality. Well, would you even call it a personality of some of these people? Um, I don't. I. I. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some <laughs> of these are just some Frankenstein people walking around. Um, anywho, um, after that, which also like his sacrifice was in vain because afterwards his giant covenant fleet pops into space. He think he dies thinking like, oh, I made this great sacrifice. Nope, was really for nothing because here comes the covenant. Oh yeah, yeah. Even Carter. Um, is like, oh, he thought he died saving Reach. We should all be so lucky. It's like, oh, dang. Yep, well, they're trying to make sure that death does not go in vain. So we're moving on to our next spot, which was uh, they arrive in New Alexandria, correct? Am I skipping ahead or is it no? No, yeah, New Alexandria is next. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we land. This is where we're fighting through the city. Um, 
We fight with some, uh, you know, ODST troopers, I think, at this point, too. And we're just trying to get civilians out of the city. That's basically the whole point of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've um, been under siege for, like, then, five days now. So you're kind of showing up at, like, mid-invasion, but they've already done a bunch of damage. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, while they're all kind of... while we, When we finally reunite with Noble Team and they are mourning George, that's when the Covenant actually starts glassing Reach. So we see this huge explosion go off. Um, it knocks out everybody's shields because the radiation is like off the charts. And I, I always thought that Cat went out like a punk because this is when like we're all running away from the explosion and then she just gets randomly sniped in the head and yeah, it dies in Noble Six's arms. And I was like, what the fuck? Like that came out of nowhere. But as I was doing the research, reading up on it like oh yeah it makes sense that this the the glassing knocked out all their shields so they were were vulnerable there and in the game the same weapon can one shot you to the head so it all makes Mm. sense but i still think it just comes out of nowhere yeah it was unsatisfying to say the least where i was like oh like i don't think that death was earned at that point in the story but i guess it kind of makes up for i guess we're past spoiler but carter you know with his sacrifice to save us from the scorpion later or not the scorpion the um the scarabs, the scarab, my bad. Um, I guess he's just like, whatever, I've lost everyone, doesn't matter, just, you know, goes full kamikaze. So I guess that kind of like leads and gives more depth to his death. Yeah, and then Kat just gets punked, basically. She wasn't paying attention and gets mm-hmm. shot. You gotta, you know, keep your head uh, on a swivel. I don't know what to tell you, Kat. Check your corners. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, at this point, we're we're sent back to Sword Base under the pretense that we're basically just going to destroy it uh, to prevent any of this information from getting into the Covenant's hands. But we, we're kind of getting thrown for a loop because um, Cortana actually diverts our course to Halsey's lab, which is right next to this Forerunner artifact. So this is what the Covenant are after, and there's this whole wave base segment where we're fighting off the Covenant, kind of like a firefight um game mode type thing but this is a firefight map they basically just reuse all these moments for that mode but (laughs) uh this is cool because you know we see cortana a little cameo and then um yeah like she chose us or chose noble six for some reason uh for uh, you know uh plot reasons you know you're the protagonist reason um (laughs) um, (laughs) and yeah it's cool like it's cool seeing cortana i felt like it wasn't like you know how star wars is just throwing in people for no like how they just threw in like chewbacca for episode three just because of you know oh this will sell more lesson wasn't just for you know nostalgia reasons she was integral to the plot so i'm glad it wasn't like gimmicky into the story you know what i mean yeah i actually really enjoyed this the whole ending here because we're given Cortana and it's like, get this to the pillar of autumn, mm. you know, it's basically get the Death Star plans what, to the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like the whole, the whole war is basically relying on this moment. Cause master chief, as we know, saves a day mm-hmm. and the end. And, uh, we're kind of, it, it's, it's satisfying to, to be a part of that story and to kind of kick off the trilogy. That was awesome for fans. I think. At least it was for me. Yeah, no, I feel as though the game starts off pretty weak, and then by halfway, it it definitely picks up and like it definitely delivers in the end, which I can appreciate. If I'm gonna play a game, I you know they always say like it's always first impression that matters. You know what? I'm already invested in the game. I've already put the money in. If you end on a great note, that's probably what I'm going to remember the most. And for the most part, this is what I feel like most people remember is the ending of Halo Reach. 
yeah, this is uh, this is honestly the only the only game where I distinctly remember these final moments. Like I couldn't tell you how any of the other Halos end, to be honest, except three. You know, I I remember that ending pretty distinctly, but uh, but this this just is so standout. Um, so we're on our way with uh, George. Oh, I'm sorry. We're with Emil because Carter uh, sacrifices himself by crashing into a scarab that's blocking our way to the Pillar of Autumn. Um, he, uh, Emil, gets on this big railgun thing, and there's this awesome. You know, his death sequence is so badass because he's uh, taken down like um, banshees, and you know he's in this big railgun, and then he's just getting swarmed by elites. He gets stabbed, but he takes like the plasma sword out and stabs the elite with it, and it's yeah he's such a badass in this yeah, moment. That whole moment it gave me like so many like uh uh what am i thinking of uh there's a what's that movie where the person gets stabbed takes it out and stabs him back i don't know um it's just super badass i really appreciate that moment where it's just like you know you're just truly like spartans are you know oh yeah i'm thinking of 300 when the person gets stabbed uh through the stomach and then pulls it in closer and then starts oh and just yeah. starts like still killing like three other persians um yeah that's badass that's what i was thinking of earlier so yeah just total like oh you think i'm dead no bitch you're coming with me i love that emil went down like a true spartan Mm -hmm. and then uh yeah so we we uh, meet uh jacob keys who is a big figure in uh, the main trilogy uh we get cortana to him and they're in this pelican. They're about to uh, take off. Uh, we provide some cover for them, and then they're uh, they're like, "Come on, let's go!" And then Noble Six is like, "No, I'm going to cover you guys." And uh, we take out a huge um, Covenant starship cruiser, or like a huge uh, uh, Corvette class, I guess they would call it. Just one of the big Covenant ships, and uh, and then we get to do our last stand. Yeah, this was such a badass way to end the game, and like. I really was playing this for like 15 minutes maybe. I lasted a while, I feel like, not to brag, but I was like, all right, so what's going to happen? And it was such a twist when I finally died. I was like, no, no, I've been doing this for like 15, 20 minutes. There's no way. And then I was like, oh, idiot. Like, I was supposed to die. <laughs> like, and, Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, it's really badass. Six removes his shattered helmet at one point, but is eventually overwhelmed i mean like it was overwhelming odds from the get-go and he just also went out all of noble six probably besides cat went out like total badasses yeah and june who you know he she kind of he leaves with halsey after we get her out of the base um oh you know i wish we talked about this earlier and i just want to mention it real quick uh there's this line Carter tells June, don't let anything fall into Covenant hands because he's about to escort Halsey. And he's basically saying, oh, if you guys get captured, make sure she dies so they don't get her. Like, because she's that valuable and she's that smart, mm-hmm. um, which was a cool moment. But sorry to take away from this. But, uh, you know, there is something I want to speculate on. We don't actually see Noble Six die. We don't even see him get stabbed. Mm-hmm. And his uh the last shot there's no mountain where he takes his helmet off so how does it end up there Ooh, where's the x-files music i don't know that's actually i've never even thought of that that's really interesting you know um could we see a return of noble six tyler in halo infinite it'd be really cool if he came back they could bring june back too and have both of them there um it, it would be kind of weird, I guess, because they'd have to, like, make Noble Six a, 
like a canon version and not the player version. But I feel like it was ambiguous. Like if you slow down the the last scene and um, zoom in on things, like you see the Covenant, the the elites missing him with the plasma swords, and he's still fighting while he's on the ground, like like laying down on his back he's still like fighting off these elites Mm. so you know it's ambiguous maybe he could come back or she depending on yeah whatever gender he chose yeah gender is a spectrum especially in halo reach but what i'm going to say is that you know what it would be cool is if you got to do these like noble six missions during like halo 2 so like the events of halo 2 are going around but you're doing your own like missions against the covenant and without him none of the events of like the other halos were possible that'd be kind of cool yeah, I mean, he, Noble Six was like a black ops Spartan, mm-hmm. so maybe they survive and they're just, you know, undercover. They are the hyper-lethal lethal vector. I mean, if, if they're as effective as Master Chief, like, I could believe that they survived it. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubts Noble Six is badass as he was, but I guess for canon's sake, he is dead for all intents and purposes, right? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, well. Uh, but we get to end with this nice eulogy, right? You know, remember Reach? <laughs> yeah, Halsey has this nice eulogy, and I honestly just want to cut the audio into it because it's. Uh, I think it would be a good way to end the episode. Yeah, do that. Um, I think it's very powerful. It really feels as though uh, throughout the game, I didn't really feel as though I had that much you know, meaning or the purpose of this team, but it really felt as though it gave levity and gravity of the situation and your actual like impact on the Halo universe and the fight for humanity. So for me, um, it was a very nice way to end the game. And it was Bungie's last hurrah. And, you know, I think they went out on a good note. Mm. No, for sure. Um, so you want to give our, like, final thoughts on Halo Reach? I mean, in terms of I'm going to rank the games, um, I don't know if it would get above any in the original trilogy. I don't know for you, but I guess it's, like, right under the original trilogy for me. Uh, I liked ODST. Um, I would definitely have it below uh, Halo 4 and 5. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I love the main trilogy. ODST is a cool little side thing. Um, I really enjoyed Reach because, you know, Bungie was experimenting and trying different things, and I I love that. And I think they put in, like, there was this game was packed with a ton of content, had a ton of replayability, um, you know, and I think they went out on a strong note, and it's really, like, where Halo kind of ended for me, honestly. Maybe Infinite will bring it back, but... It's to be determined. Yeah, I feel for a lot of people, it was the last chapter in their Halo lives. And you know what? They really went out with a really nice touch. And it felt like there was a lot of care and emotion put into this final piece, even though it does have its flaws like we brought up previously. But for all its flaws, I think it is a great, great addition to the Halo uh, game universe. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking about this. And uh, I think we're definitely going to talk some more Halo in the future. Especially, like, we barely talked about John 117, and he is basically the the poster child for Halo. He is kind of important. I think Microsoft has based all their game sales based on one man, and that is uh, uh, Mr. 117. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun, and you know what? I'm totally down. You know, this is a great mix-up from going from, you know, The Last of Us to Bloodborne from Star Wars. I'm kind of digging this whole sci-fi, back-to-back sci-fi kind of train we're on right now but um i feel as though i'm very down for more halo in the future yeah because spartans never die they're just missing in action